The Old Testament lesson is taken from Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge, or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test, and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see there's a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 20. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel appointed for Christ the King Sunday is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. We just sang about the amazing love that a king would die for us, and here we are taken back to Good Friday, where indeed our king, who descended from heaven above, was, had a, play, a crown of thorns placed upon his head as he died out of love for us. And there followed Jesus a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, 
If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is the gospel lesson I read to you just a few moments ago, but I want to highlight these words again, beginning at verse 35. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged there railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is our text. In the name of Jesus, who is Christ the King, our King. As a tour guide led a group through an art gallery, he stopped at a painting entitled Checkmate. The guide talked about the style and the texture of the painting before moving on to the next painting. One of the members of the group, who was a chess grandmaster, stayed behind. And he stared at the chess pieces on the chessboard that was painted onto that painting. The painting depicts two players, two chess players. One is Satan, and the other player is a man who looks miserable. If Satan wins, he wins the man's soul. And by all appearances, it looks like the devil is going to win. In fact, the devil has a smirk on his face, as if waiting for the inevitable final verdict, checkmate. Well, the chess grandmaster stared a long time at the chessboard, and then when the tour group was about two corridors away, they heard the stray member running down the marble hallway shouting, it's a lie, it's a lie. The king has another move, another move. Our king, Christ the king, has another move. And this morning in this message, we want to take a look at some of the moves that our Lord made in the past, which he is making in the present, 
and a move that he'll make in the future. Our King Jesus Christ made a move in the past to defeat the Prince of Darkness, giving us victory. Our King left his throne in heaven so that he might go to war with the devil. His goal was to destroy the devil's power over us and to reconcile us to God and to deliver us from death. And in our sermon text, which takes us back to Good Friday, the battle is coming to a climax. And if we could see his face, I'm sure that there was a smirk on the devil's face as it appeared as though he was going to win. I mean, the king is bloodied from the beating that he's endured. Spikes fasten fasten his hands and feet to a cross. A moment ago, the choir sang these words, Behold his hands inside, rich wounds yet visible above. Not even the angels in the sky can bear that sight. But downward bend their wandering eyes, wandering eyes at mysteries so bright. Yes, what was taking place on Good Friday was so terrible, so horrible, that not even the angels in the sky could bear that sight. And along with that terrible sight were the sneers and the jeers that were being hurled at the king. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the appointed king, the Christ of God, the chosen one. The pagan soldiers mock him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And even one of the thieves got into the act. Are you not Christ the king? Then save yourself and us. The Prince of Peace is simply waiting for the king to admit defeat. So then he can then shout, checkmate. Above our king's head is a sign that Pilate had made to declare the reason why it was that Jesus is being crucified. This is the king of the Jews, the sign said. And the sign was also meant to mock Christ. But Jesus is the king, isn't he? He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Gentiles. In fact, he is the king of kings and the lord of lords of all, including he he is king and lord over the prince of darkness. St. Paul says of our king in the epistle lesson for today that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. St. Paul says of our king Jesus that he is not only the creator of all things, but he holds the world together. And if Paul's assertions are true, and they are, then you may find yourself wondering, then why doesn't Jesus save himself? Why doesn't he show himself to the people of that rebel kingdom that he is indeed the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords? Why doesn't he show himself to be the invisible God made visible? Well, the sacrilegious book and movie called The Last Temptation of Christ suggests that Jesus' final thoughts before he died were that of a fantasy with his lover, Mary Magdalene. Blasphemous indeed. But what do you think Jesus was thinking in those last hours on the cross? 
I suggest that his final thoughts are those of love and forgiveness and compassion for those hate-filled people who are sneering and jeering. I think his final thoughts are filled with love and forgiveness and compassion for the soldiers who carried out the crucifixion. I think his feelings or his thoughts are of love and forgiveness and compassion for those criminals who were crucified on his left and on his right. I think his heart is filled with love and compassion and forgiveness for the loved ones who are weeping for him and mourning at the base of his cross. I think his heart is filled with love and compassion and forgiveness for you and for me. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? But die indeed, our king did for me and for you. Jesus' concern is to finish the mission that his father sent him to do. St. Paul writes, Jesus has reconciled us to God by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Yes, our king's love is amazing. So amazing that he is willing to sacrifice himself for us. And as Jesus breathed his final breath and as his lifeless body is laid to rest in a tomb for three days, it appears like the devil has won. It appears as though the devil has checkmated our king. But our king has another move. Our king descends to hell. And he declares his victory. He declares to the devil and to the devil's legions that they have been hoodwinked. They have in fact fallen into his trap, a trap that he has set. For by his sacrificial death on the cross, they are the ones who are checkmated. And just to prove the point, our king rises from the dead. Crown him the Lord of life who triumphed over the grave and rose victorious in the strife we sing. For those he came to save, his glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring, and lives that death may die. Our king rises from the dead to declare his victory to us, promising that when it appears that we have been checkmated by death, that we will still have yet another move. For he, our king, will raise us to life everlasting. But death would not the victor be of him who hung upon the tree, we sing. He leads us to the holy place within the veil before God's face. And so, when it looked as though Jesus was to be checkmated in the past, he made his move. And by his move, he in fact crushed the prince of darkness, and he overcame death for us. Our King Jesus Christ also makes his move today by being our daily companion. In another month or so, we will be reflecting on the year past. 
We'll be rehearsing its blessings and we'll be we will be bemoaning our unfulfilled goals and our failures and our tragedies. And we'll be looking ahead. We'll be looking ahead to 2023, setting resolutions and making plans to fulfill our hopes and our dreams. And we engage in a similar practice at the end of the church year. For the new church year begins next Sunday with the beginning of the season of Advent. And so it's appropriate for us to look back over 2022 and ask ourselves, how is my relationship with the Lord? Has my relationship with the Lord improved during this past year? Am I growing in my knowledge of God through the study of his word? Am I putting that word into practice in my life? Am I maturing in my depth of understanding of his love for me? Do I find myself being moved to greater awe and reverence for my king as I contemplate his sacrificial love for me? Am I spending more time conversing with my king day by day? Is my daily life reflecting my love for my king? And have I addressed and resolved issues in my life with faith and trust in him? And similarly, we can review our life as a congregation. Are we growing in our love and service to one another? Are we making inroads into the community around us, developing more meaningful relationships with our neighbors, serving their needs? Are we, am I, using my God-given gifts of time and talent and treasure to help fulfill our God-given mission as we serve as ambassadors of the King? As we ask these questions and reflect on them, we might find ourselves a little bit discouraged because we look back over the last year and we see that maybe we haven't grown in areas of our life that we had hoped. Maybe we had hoped to spend more time in the Word. Maybe we had hoped to spend more time talking with God in prayer. And now as we look back, we go, boy, I could have done a heck of a lot better. We might look at ourselves as a congregation and see that there's this issue and that issue yet to be resolved and as we do so, we might actually find ourselves discouraged. Some of us might even be facing things in our life where we feel like resigning and admitting, admitting to the devil that he's checkmated us. But our king, our living and reigning king, moves and lives in our life. He moves and lives in our life through his word and through his sacraments. And he makes it possible for us to live and to serve him for another day. Yes, our king moves and he lives with us as he speaks to us in his word. He moves and he lives with us as he comes to us as he will today in the Lord's Supper and gives us his very body and blood that was given and shed for us on that cross of Calvary so many centuries ago. He moves and he lives with us day by day. Never abandoning us, always by our side. Do you remember the 1992 Disney movie Aladdin? Aladdin is a street urchin who lives by his wits. And there's also a princess who's bored of living a secluded life of privilege within the walls of the palace. And she escapes that palace so that she might be able to see the world the world beyond the walls 
And as she escapes, she comes upon Aladdin. Well, the imperial guard hunts for her, but Aladdin gives, her a, gives them a very merry chase as he leads the princess by hand through the streets, and eventually they escape. But when Aladdin heads towards his hideout in a dark back alley, the princess hesitates to go with him. She's afraid to follow him into the unknown. And Aladdin, he reaches out his hand to her and he says, trust me, trust me. As we move into a new church year as a congregation and as individual disciples of Jesus Christ, as ambassadors of Christ, our king says to us, trust me, trust me. You may not know what the year lies ahead for you, but I do. Trust me. Trust me. Whatever the circumstances of your life, trust me. I am with you. If you are finding yourself filled with anxiety and impatience and fears and a me-first attitude, then come to me, he says. Trust me, for I love you, and I forgive you, and I'm with you. And Jesus, as he says, and trust, trust me, he also encourages us to continue to read the scriptures, to explore the depths of his love for us and its meaning in all aspects of our life. He invites us to spend time just talking with him, conversing with him in prayer, so that he might hear and answer our prayers according to his mercy. He says, trust me, I will send you on a journey where you will get to discover new horizons and new frontiers and new dimensions of your life as an individual and as a church. And so as we review the past year, we look ahead to the future and we make resolutions. We make resolutions to the Lord. And later in this service during communion, we're going to be singing a hymn. And in which we sing, when we sing that hymn, we're going to be making some resolutions. We're going to sing, Christ the eternal Lord, we stand before your throne, intent to serve you all our days and to make your glory known. We're going to sing this resolution, Christ the unchanging word, transform our thought and mind, enlighten all who read within your word by faith to find the bread of life. We're going to sing this resolution, Christ the Redeeming Son, inspire our hearts, we pray, to tell your love abroad, that all may honor Christ today and follow him as Lord. And we're going to resolve later today as we sing, Lord, I'm going to lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world will adore his sacred name. As Jesus, our King, he moved in the past, he moves in the present, and our King Jesus Christ has a future move to make. He will descend from his heavenly throne to bring us to our blessed end. The readings assigned for the last couple Sundays of the church year and the first couple Sundays of Advent focus on the signs of the end times. The readings warn us to be ready for our King's return. And the more one studies these end time signs and sees how they're prevalent and increasing with intensity 
in our day, the more one becomes convinced that the king's return is at hand. Martin Luther felt that way. Martin Luther said, it is my firm belief that the angels are getting ready, that they're putting on their armor and they're girding their swords about them for the last days already breaking. And another time Luther wrote, as things are beginning to go, the last day is at the door. And I believe that the world will not endure a hundred years. Well, that was about more than 500 years ago that he said those words. As we see the signs manifest themselves in our day. And I talked about those signs last week. Might we say the same thing as Luther? Might it be that Christ's coming is right at hand? No one knows, of course. No one knows that day or hour when the world will come to an end and Christ returns in glory, but certainly the signs are evident and clear. He is coming again, our King. We pray very soon. Are you ready? Are you eager? Are you eager to meet the King? The final move our King will make will be His return to bring us to our blessed end. And we will hear Him say, Checkmate! And the devil and death will be thrown into the lake of fire. And we will be bodily resurrected from the dead. And our king himself will welcome us into paradise. And our king will place upon our head that crown of eternal life. And then, with cherubim and seraphim, our voices will join the endless hymn, Holy, 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 as we praise Christ, God's Lamb, who is also our priest. And yes, who is our King. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.